Welcome to the Postpartum Wow, the show where moms share their raw, unfiltered postpartum moments. I'm your host, Sarah Allen, and I'm a first-time mom who was completely broadsided by postpartum depression and anxiety. I'm here to show the not-so-pretty side of becoming a parent, and I hope you hear something that resonates with you because, let's be honest, the postpartum experience is nothing like we imagined. But along with the struggles come glimpses of hope. So buckle up and hold on tight, and let's get to it. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Uh, Coming at you this week with a solo episode about the topic of sensory overload. And where this topic came from, it kind of came out of nowhere. I was earlier this week, I was trying to figure out uh, what to talk about uh, for the solo episode. And something happened over the weekend that reminded me that, oh, yeah, this is probably a a good topic to bring up because I'm sure there are several moms like myself who didn't realize that this was a thing until adulthood or until parenthood and just thought this was a good opportunity to talk about it. So before we get into that, as usual, this is a a trigger warning and disclaimer that I'm not a medical professional. The thoughts and opinions that I express here are my own, so do not take them as medical advice. And if you're currently in the throes, postpartum depression, anxiety, or perinatal mood disorders, please be mindful as you listen to this episode. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Um, So what even the hell is sensory overload? Well, according to WebMD and Healthline, and if you just do a, you know, Dr. Google search, um, sensory overload is uh, when your five senses, uh, you know, sight, hearing, smell, touch, and taste um, take in more information than your brain can process. And a article I read from WebMD said your brain uh, can be overwhelmed by this input. And when it does it enters the fight flight or freeze mode in response to what feels like a crisis and making you feel unsafe or even panicky um so this is this is something that knowing the definition now is something i think i've always had i just didn't know what it was or thought i was just being weird and needed to get over it, you know, kind of a thing and just kind of put it on the back burner. Uh, But then hit my 20s and just slowly started to realize that, hey, there are some situations where my anxiety peaks for what I think is no reason. And the only way to make it better is to go away, just um, close myself off from the world, you know, turn lights off, quiet any noise and just basically go into seclusion and then I would I would feel fine um and a lot of that I think came from because you know the the personality traits extrovert versus introvert introvert excuse me um I always saw myself as more of an extrovert because growing up I was considered the social kid I I liked being around people I liked Let's go ahead and say it. I liked being the center of attention. Um, So I just assumed that meant I was an extrovert. Um, But the more I read into it, um, the more I was reading or what I was reading was telling me that extroverts 
they get energy or they feel energized by being around a group of people. And I don't, I don't think I ever felt energized in the sense that I needed to be around a group of people to feel that way. If anything, it, it drained me being around a big group of people. Now, if I was around, say, one or two close friends, I could get energized from that. If we were having good conversation and good quality time together, um, then yes, I could I could get the the argument that I could feel energized and get some some good benefit out of that. So in reading more and more on those, um, there's now a third one. And according to the Googles, it's called an ambivert. I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but uh, basically it's uh, introvert, extrovert. You got characteristics of both. And so the way I characterized myself was an introverted extrovert, introverted being in quotes, meaning I, I am primarily an extrovert, but the only way I can uh, display the qualities of an extrovert is I have to do what the introverts typically do. I have to re-energize myself by closing myself off, going away for a while, turning everything off, and just basically being a lump. <laughs> um, and, and when you're when you're single, at least when I was single. I didn't think this was a thing. I mean, I'd heard about it in certain medical cases, like, um, for instance, people who are diagnosed with autism or ADHD. In fact, there's there's several studies and, and articles, medical articles and journals out there about those cases. And to me, that made sense. It's like, okay, they have an actual condition that can impede their their sensory perception. And whereas me, I felt like, well, I really, what's my excuse? Is this really truly a thing? And if anything, I just have a case of anxiety that, you know, could easily be managed, right? And it can be, but I think it wasn't until that after I got married, I slowly started realizing that, hey, sensory overload can be a thing. Um, but then I especially knew it had affected me after I gave birth. And that's where, that's where I went down the rabbit hole of trying to figure out, okay, you know, extrovert versus introvert, how, how do you process that? How do you find what coping mechanisms work for you? Um, basically, I was, I went into, okay, this is a problem that I need to solve. And you know, at the time, it's hard to when you're not in the throes of it, it's hard to think about it. But in like the six week period, and well, really six month period, in my postpartum journey, it was like, it was a daily occurrence of feeling panicky, feeling overstimulated, feeling that that fight or flight instinct of um, I'm in a crisis. And what what typically would happen uh, when I get overstimulated is uh, 
I, f- I feel that sense of panic. I feel like my heart rate is going a million miles an hour. Um, having a hard time breathing. And I just, I can't, I, there's noise around me that I can hear, but I can't comprehend any of it. Um, especially if there's like more than one conversation going on. So if I'm around a group of people and there's like two or three different conversations going on at once, I can't make sense of it or I can't I can't channel my normal filters to weed through all of that to concentrate. And the the more I think about my personality and growing up, it's like, well, actually no, this is starting to make sense because you know, and when you're growing up middle school, high school, you go to all the the parties and stuff because it's something to do, but you know, if I'm being honest with myself, I I have to go back and think, did I really enjoy myself in those in those scenarios? Occasionally, yes, but the 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 memories that I made the most were f- from like the small group of friends. Like if we were at a, a big gathering and one or two of us would pair off or we'd go to like, you know, go outside or um, you know, go someplace that was away from the big crowd. Those are far more memorable to me. And uh, probably something that I wished I had more exposure to. I just didn't know that's what that's what I was needing at the time. So, um, so I guess you could say, you know, learning how to deal with it eventually turned into, okay, I, I know I can't make it go away, but how can I live with it? How can I make it better? Or how can I at least manage it so that I can, you know, go about my business? But in having a newborn, it's extremely, extremely difficult to really analyze anything deeply, especially from, you know, like a personal characteristic or a trait that you're trying to uh, develop or grow in. And it wasn't until recently that I was able to to sit down and actually think about it. And my daughter's almost a year old. So if that tells you anything, there you go. Um, so, uh, but I've had a couple people, in fact, I was talking to one of my friends earlier today about, um, about this. And she's also a mom that, that struggles with, with sensory overload and being overstimulated fairly easy um and i found a a website that had several quotes from people trying to describe what um a sensory overload panic attack can feel like and because that's another thing i was trying to find a way to describe it to where it made sense to someone that isn't as easily triggered and one of the, of course, I'm in the IT industry, so this first, uh, this first description makes the most sense to me. But imagine you have, you know, Google Chrome open on your computer, and you've got, you know, hundreds of tabs open, and they're all trying to work at once. And next thing you know, your computer freezes, or it starts acting really slow, and performance is tanking, and you just you get frustrated, and you can't figure out what the deal is. Um, 
And then there was, a, going back to that website that I was talking about, one of the descriptions that I thought was even more accurate was, imagine being tied to the front of a freight train during a hurricane with an iPod on the highest volume of the most annoying song you know. And of course, I read that and I was like, all right, there you go. That's perfect description of what my what my brain goes through uh, during one of those moments. So, uh, but why the sudden interest or why am I even bothering to bring all this up and, you know, even go down this rabbit hole and what it boils down to is that I'm beginning to see some of this in my daughter and it shouldn't come as any surprise, but it's something that it's, not necessarily forcing, but it's it's given me the motivation to find a way or find new coping strategies or find some way to manage it so that I can be an example for her. Because like I said, I'm already starting to see it. She's, like I said, almost a year old. Um, for the most part, she handles, I think, for her developmental stage i think she handles uh stimulation very well however i am beginning to see moments where especially now that she's she's teething and she's hitting you know developmental milestones and things of that nature um there are times throughout the day where she will just she'll start fussing for what we think is is no reason or at least isn't in her normal, like she'll start fussing, uh, you know, if she's hungry or needs a diaper change, just, you know, things of that nature. And it's totally normal. But, um, you know, there's been a couple of instances where we just for the life of us could not figure out what was going on. And so just out of my own curiosity, um, there was one afternoon where, yeah, she was just really fidgety, having a hard time, uh, really concentrating on anything so I shut everything off shut off the lights shut off all screens shut off all electronics even her toys in her playpen that made noise shut all those off and I picked her up and we went into her room where it's relatively quiet we have a little light in there that is like a red light or whatever so it's meant to be it's meant to just provide a little bit of light without being too overstimulating. And we have a bookshelf in there with just some books on it. So we sat down. Um, there's a little area rug in there that's soft. So we sat on the area rug and had a couple books in front of her. And she stopped fussing. Like immediately she was a totally different baby. Like she felt comfortable she was calm she was happy again to to have just a couple of books in front of her and look at those and um and i'm not there are some cases where yeah you got to give them time to adjust and nothing really is instantaneous in this situation it was she just you could tell that she was able to recalibrate she was able to gain her focus again and go back to being the happy baby that she typically is. So that seeing that in her is what made me kind of want to do a little more research on this. Um, 
just for my own curiosity, but also to get others, others stories, others experiences, because I know I'm not the only one. And um, I'd be very curious to know if, if this is something that you've gone through or that you've seen in your kids or your your family members. So if anyone wants to comment or uh, provide any info, uh, head over to my Facebook page, uh, the postpartum wow. Uh, it's a public page. So you can post on there, you can like it, you can follow it the whole nine yards. Um, and I'll make a post about it tomorrow when when I release this episode. But if you have tips, if you have things that you've tried coping strategies or coping mechanisms that have worked for you or your kids, um, please share them just not not only for for my own curiosity, but for other other moms, other parents that um, are also in the throes of, of a similar situation. Uh, just because I think I think people I think people learn from others experiences and hearing other accounts. Um, it's the whole point of this podcast. So uh, I think I think sharing those would be would be really good and really beneficial. So coping mechanisms that work for me, a couple of people have asked and, you know, before I was able to just recognize that I was feeling anxious or I was feeling overstimulated. So I would just, I would just leave. I would remove myself from the situation, find an excuse to leave a party or leave a big gathering and just check out, um, not as easy to do <laughs> when you have a kid. Um, can't just exit stage right whenever you want um, and tune out, check out. You have to actually you know, plan to do that kind of thing, which also took me back to... I'm going to divert a little bit. It took me back to the early days after she was born. Because I wanted, it was such a conflict, a conflicting thing in my head because I wanted people to come over. I wanted people to come see her. I wanted people's help. I wanted people, especially the people that came over and brought us meals or folded my laundry or did dishes. I wanted those things because it was such a big, big help to me. But at the same time, I wanted everyone to just go away. <laughs> Can you, like I just I wanted I wanted to be able to recharge and re-energize the way I always could before. And when I realized that that wasn't going to happen, it was almost like a grieving process of like, well, okay, this is no longer an option for me. I need to find a new way to manage it. Um but it was it, it was just such a struggle and so draining because it's like I don't want to come off as ungrateful and I don't want to come off as rude or push people away because especially during that time, you need, especially other moms, you need people around you to gather around you to take care of you and make sure that you're okay. And yeah, I just couldn't express that at the time. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but thinking about it now, it's like, no, if if I could do it over again, I think I would still have I would still have people gather around me like like it happened, but 
I would communicate my needs differently. Um, you know, housework is always a given, but you know, when you have a screaming kid, it is just, it's very, very difficult to check out. So anyway, um, yeah, so some of the, some of the resources that I looked up, like I said, WebMD was one, um, very well mind was another simply psychology. I'll put some of these in the show notes as well. Um, but you can find most of these with a simple Google search too of like sensory overload in parenting or postpartum sensory overload. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there are, are ways to combat it, but it seemed like in my situation, it didn't matter the amount of therapy I had or, uh, you know, the, the tricks they always say about grounding and things of that nature. And I've done those. I mean, and I still do them like, uh, like this past weekend when I felt that I was able to walk into another room, do the deep breathing just to kind of regulate my, <laughs> my heart rate and bring myself back to reality. Um, and then of course the trick of, you know, finding, you know, five things you can see, five things you can smell, you know, that, that trick, um, they don't always work, but it's never really a reliable thing. Do I still do them? Yeah. But only because if anything, it just reinstates a sense of control because in the, and when you're in the throes of a, of a sensory overload panic attack, you it's yeah you feel like you're out of control and there is no regaining control of your situation and you gotta you're in a crisis and you gotta get out of there somehow um that's the that's kind of the gist of it but yeah and there's another another uh another mom was talking to me about other ways to combat it because that's what's always getting to me. It's like when you're a parent and you want to, you want to fall back to what's worked before. And in my case, you know, just leaving, leaving the room, leaving the situation, that's not an option anymore. So what do you do? Um, this mom friend suggested uh, earplugs or uh, noise canceling, noise filtering, something like that, earplugs. And this brand in particular, uh, I think they're called Loop, Loop earplugs. You can you can Google them to find out. But um, I went ahead and ordered a pair just because, hey, it's, it's something to do or something to try. Um, and I'll certainly let you guys know if, if they were a benefit or not, but going to give those a try because here's, here's the thing. I know there's going to come a time where I'm in the throes of being overstimulated and feeling panicky and, you know, my kid is going to see a side of me that I don't want her to see. And it's not so much that that I'm afraid of. It's it's reacting in a way or saying something that I would regret later on. Because that's probably my biggest fear is that I'll I'll react 
not necessarily in a violent way toward her, but I'll display a violent response. Like I'll, I'll kick a toy or I'll, um, you know, a piece of furniture or throw something and scare the crap out of her. And for what? Because I can't get a hold of myself. You know, it's, it's that kind of, that kind of thinking that goes through my mind. And so, and yes, it's a good lesson and understanding that, you know, parents are flawed and we make mistakes too. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, how can I demonstrate or use this as a learning opportunity to be like, hey, sometimes emotions get the better of you. Um, and all we can do is is control how we process it and how we analyze it, or at least find ways to uh, adapt, maybe adapt's not the right word, find ways to find ways to manage it. I guess is the best way to describe it. So um, those are really my, all the thoughts I had on this topic. Um, like I said, if you head over to my Facebook page at the postpartum well, um, and just leave any comments or any thoughts you might have on this topic, that would be awesome. And if anything too, it would help, it would help spread because that's another thing. Facebook, for whatever reason, has decided to, shadow ban my posts. Um, I'm not sure if what I said or what what type of content that I publish that they deem not worthy of showing up by default on people's news feeds. But and honestly, I don't really care. I just want it to, to go to the people that need to hear it. That's that's the only goal I have. So um, I think the way best way to do that is if you you like the page, you share uh, any posts that you want to get out there to the masses that would help greatly. Um, but also if you're, if you're listening on Apple podcasts or Spotify, um, subscribing to those as well would, would help the podcast and, um, help those numbers as well. So that's my shameless plug. And I appreciate y'all listening to, to my rambling on this topic. Cause I feel like it's another one of those things that goes by the wayside and gets ignored and, um, and it's something I think is is more prevalent than we think, and especially in our kids, um, because you know at their at their age and their development stages, they're going to experience this kind of thing. How they handle it as a kid is going to be completely different. How they handle it as an adult, um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with showing them early on how they could manage it and how they could process. So that's my two cents. Thanks you guys for listening. Um, stick around for a couple of really neat episodes that I've got coming up in the next few weeks um, from really, really neat parents and really neat stories. And uh, I hope you guys will, will find some benefit from them. So thanks again for listening and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Postpartum Wow. If you like what you heard and you'd like to support this podcast, I'd love for you to subscribe and follow me on your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow me on my Facebook page at The Postpartum Wow. This way you'll be notified when new episodes are dropped every other Tuesday. Feel free to also leave a review sharing what you liked best 
and this will help other listeners know what to expect when checking out this podcast. Until next time, friends, may your messy buns be on point and your coffee stay warm. Thank you.